0: Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non invasive, non surgical, and drug free. Start your journey to a pain free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303 292 9992, now in Lowry or downtown.
1: Hello, everyone. It's that time for the J. Moore Tech Talk Show, where we answer questions about technology, explain the way they should work, and why they don't sometimes. And now here's your host, John C. Morley. Well, hey everybody, welcome once again to the J Moore Tech Talk Show. You know, a lot's been happening with technology, especially when we get into robotics. You know, the new Robo Starfish aims to enable closer study of aquatic life, which is pretty amazing. Uh, they're actually doing something like this. So Marcus, uh, biologists have been experiencing challenges in how to record uh, the way this type of life actually lives. And they want to track their movements a little bit better. So this new device uh, that's coming out is be able to do uh, just that. And it is the Soft Robotic Fish. Wow! It's a computer science artificial intelligence device. Um, Type device that is going to be able to um, swim autonomously uh, with real fish along the coral reefs of the Fiji. This is going to be quite amazing. Indeed. You know, lots of stuff is happening. Tonight, we have a great show for you. And I want to let you know that we have a great guest coming up right now Dr. James Granger, MD. He is a physician at acupuncture and injury. Um, He provides acupuncture and physiotherapy services in his offices. He is a certified independent medical examiner through the American Board of Independent Medical Examiners. He provides quality care for personal injuries and workers' compensation cases. He works closely with many attorneys and chiropractors in the greater Atlanta area. And at his office, he prides himself in getting injured patients into his office for medical treatment quickly. They also work very closely with with chiropractors to provide pain medication management during the course of the patient's therapy. And of course, they provide chronic pain management services as they are a licensed pain clinic. Wow. Dr. Uh, James Granger does quite a bit and he's going to be with us tonight to talk a little more about what's going on with COVID. Maybe help us um, bunk some myths. So please, without any further ado... Help me welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, Dr. James Granger, MD. Hey, everybody. It is John C. Morley from the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And I am very pleased today to have Dr. James Granger with us, a man that uh, focuses on helping people by making sure they don't have pain and not having to take any kind of pills or drugs. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Granger, to the show. Thank you. So I got to ask you, Dr. Granger, what is it that makes someone like you become passionate to want to help people and do it without drugs? Can you give us a little background on that, please?
2: Yeah. um, For years, I worked alongside chiropractors treating people for personal injuries, and they were basically doing all the healing. Um, and all I was doing was, you know, prescribing pain medication that basically put a bandaid on the injuries and the chiropractors were doing the healing. So I started looking for other things that I could do to help patients heal. And I practiced Chinese martial arts. So that led me into acupuncture. And while all this was happening, it was in the midst of the opioid epidemic, which is still ongoing. Um. So I really saw the damage that the opiate pain medications were doing to people. So I, you know, made the decision to use acupuncture and medically assisted therapy to try and get people off of the opiates or even better to present people with an option before they get started on the opiates. Um, because of the way our healthcare system is set up, it really favors just a prescription rather than, you know, longer term, non-addictive therapies. Um, You know, the opiates can be a long road that goes on forever, whereas, you know, acupuncture, if you get an injury and treat it quickly in the beginning, you don't have that problem.
1: Now, Dr. Granger, acupuncture has been around for, what, about 2,500 some years? Is that right?
2: Uh, Yes, some authorities will tell you even longer, 3,500 to 4,000 years.
1: So why is it that so many people out there, have the ability to have access to this. And they, and also their doctors don't recommend this. What's the reason? I always thought that doctors take an oath to help people to do what's right for the patient. Can you shed a little light on that? Cause I'm a little lost there.
2: Well, there's a number of factors there. One is the education doctors receive is pretty much geared on pharmaceuticals and surgery, You know, physical therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic, you know, they're either ridiculed or, you know, uh, uh, disregarded. Um, Then you have the insurance component where a doctor may be willing to send a patient for physical therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic, but the insurance company won't pay for it. So then your only option is to prescribe an opiate. Um, which, of course, favors, you know, profit margin for the pharmaceutical industry. The patient gets addicted to opiates. They never get better. Um, You know, I've seen hundreds of patients, if not thousands, that have had surgeries because of pain. And after the surgery, they're still taking the same or more opiates than they were before the surgery.
1: And what is your take, if I may ask you, doctor, on um, COVID-19 the pandemic, where we're going. And also with the vaccines, I mean, what's really happening. It just seems like our world is very confused and I'm also a volunteer first responder and it seems like we're getting mixed messages. What's your high level overview on what's happening? What is the vaccine? Should people get it? Is it going to help? Um, What's the goal? And then we also talk about the fact that people want to have herd immunity. I mean, is there any science to all this or are we just speculating on something that sounds good for politics?
2: Um, wow, that, that's, I could spend a long time answering all that, but just to kind of give you a brief answer, I have a number of my patients who ask me what I think about the vaccine and I just simply tell them I'm at the end of the line. I'm not rushing to get a vaccine. Um, what people need to understand is this COVID vaccine, it's a new technology, mRNA. Um, it wasn't tested on animals as, as far as I've seen. It's come out in less than nine months. We don't know how safe it is for um, women at childbearing or pre childbearing age. Um, there's the possibility of, of having a condition called ADE, which is um, basically where your immune system goes into overdrive should you. Run into another uh, strain of COVID, and you could actually be worse than if you fought it with your own natural immunity. Um, the biggest problem with I have with the way COVID has been handled is there are a number of treatments that are non-pharmaceutical that should have been researched decades before COVID even appeared. Um, they are reportedly effective for influenza. They're not researched because they're not pharmaceutical. Um, one is in you know, your listeners can Google low medium, dissect them and how it was used during the 1918 pandemic. Um, there, There's really no excuse as to why those remedies haven't been investigated. Um, just another quick fact is in China, 92% of their patients, there are using some form of some form of Chinese herbal remedies or medicine in addition to Western medicine. Um, and I'll leave the the numbers game for another day, but the statistics we're receiving are just not accurate.
1: They're astronomically inaccurate. (laughs) And I have to laugh because a while ago, I think it was uh, maybe just about the beginning of this. They actually found out that in some areas, they were reporting COVID wrong. And it wasn't because someone counted wrong. It was because Excel wasn't able to track that many number of zeros so that was a serious bug they couldn't handle exponential notation and they were severely off on their predictions so i mean that's a real mouthful but i have to ask you everywhere we go and i i have one on my desk i have them all around and it you know we have right here our masks is wearing a mask something that's really helping people i mean i get why we're supposed to wear it and i'm not against it but what are your feelings about the mask? And I know it's not going to change what we do because we're not going to be able to go into a store if we don't wear a mask. So, so what's your take on that? Because that's my concern. They keep telling us to do things, but then they keep changing. Five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet. When I go to a restaurant, I want to sit 50 feet from somebody indoors. I don't trust uh, this six foot uh, or eight foot nonsense rule. Um, well, the, the
2: mask thing is interesting because the the you know, when they COVID first started, they said, oh, you don't need a mask, keep it for the first responders and they need the N95 because the surgical masks don't work. And all of a sudden that's morphed into everybody should use a mask of some kind, everything it's gonna work. And now they're saying wear two masks. Um, And years ago, World Health, Health Organization said that masks don't work against influenza and COVID is a smaller virus than influenza. So how's it gonna stop how's the mask gonna stop the COVID? And they're saying, well, COVID is attached to a particle that's big enough that the mask will stop it. But at the end of the day, the CDC director came out at one point before the vaccine and said, these masks is all we have. So from my point of view is the mask is just a way of appeasing the population. I don't really think they do any good. I haven't seen anything showing where the mask out in the population You know, if you compare California to, say, Tennessee, you know, one area uses mass, the other doesn't, it doesn't seem to be making a difference, Um, but they have to offer something to the population. So I think that's what it is. Um, Similar to the vaccine. They don't, they fail to investigate any treatments, so they put all their eggs in one basket saying vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. So that's where we are today.
1: So is there a real difference? And obviously when I do responding, I wear an N95 mask and those masks have a lot tighter seal on your face. And if you don't wear ear savers, they can really um, give your ears a feeling that's not pleasant after four or five hours. When someone wears a mask like this and they put it on, would you say there is a big difference between the cloth masks, the paper masks, Obviously, the N95 is different, but is there really a difference between like the cloth and the paper mask? Other than the paper masks actually chafe your face and they, they scratch it a lot and cause other issues because your skin can't breathe.
2: Yeah, the N95 is, is going to have better protection against viruses if it's fitted properly. Um, and that's the other problem is most people you know, haven't been trained and aren't used to wearing N95s and keeping them fitted on their face. We've all been around seeing people with their masks hanging over their nose. It's, you know, masks have to be used properly to work. Um, But the surgical masks aren't designed, excuse me, to prevent viruses. They're designed to protect fluids going from physician or practitioner to patient and back and forth in surgery. Um, So they're not designed to prevent viral transmission. Um, Like I said, they came out and said, this is all we have. So that's what we have to do. You know, I require my patients to wear a mask when they come in the office, but that's more so, you know, the immunocompromised patients, my staff and others can feel comfortable. But do I really think it's doing any good? No, I haven't seen any population with masks where it does any good. And even where there are populations, then you have to account for, okay, is it the mask or is it social distancing?
1: I think the problem is, is that everyone is kind of, you know, clenching for something, you know, going for an answer. How do you see COVID-19 ending? I mean, it's going to be a while, obviously, I think probably a year or more. But how do you see this uh, virus? Because it's very similar to the flu. How do you see this ending? But the thing about this virus is that it's killing people. The flu doesn't have these kinds of numbers. Why is this so different, uh, Dr. Granger?
2: Um, I'm not 100% sure on the numbers yet um, because I just did a brief glance the other day and it looks like the flu numbers have gone down while the COVID numbers have gone up. And I'm not really sure if some of these COVID numbers are actually flu numbers. Um, But to answer your question, how do I see it stopping? Well, since we're so slow on vaccinating, I think we're going to hit you know, herd immunity through natural immunity, you know, at a point, and then they're just going to attribute it to the vaccine. And then they'll probably come out and say, well, there's new strains. You need another vaccine. And we're going to have a whole nother schedule of vaccines um, that people are advised that they should get. Um, Personally, I trust my natural immunity more so than an experimental vaccine. that's only been out for nine months. Um, but that's a choice for each person to make with their, their physician.
1: I tend to agree with you, Dr. Granger, that, you know, if we have a healthy body and we keep it in good shape, we're going to be able to fight off things a lot better. And if somebody develops uh, COVID, unfortunately, their body's going to learn how to, you know, build up the protection system to block it next time or get rid of it faster. But yet so many people are dying, which is what makes this so critical. And it's almost mind boggling the way this is happening.
0: Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303 292 9992, now in Lowry or downtown.
2: Yeah, and the, the thing, one of the things that really intrigues me is if you look at the, the deaths per capita, you know, that the, the Question is why is the U.S. getting hit so bad, and you know, compared to countries that have, you know, arguably inferior healthcare systems. And the one thing that stands out to me is here in the U.S., we per capita have more processed food than any other country, and those processed foods create an inflammatory state in the body, which, as we know, people with inflammatory conditions like diabetes, uh, heart conditions. Are predisposed, have higher mortality with COVID. So I think one of the things that really needs to be looked at as well is, you know, how does the, the the body's nutritional state, the the intake of processed foods affect COVID morbidity and mortality? Because I just can't think of any other reason why the U.S. has been hit so hard. I mean, human to human transmission is one thing, but the mortality, morbidity you know, from getting infected with the virus is another thing.
1: Is this, do you think, because of a lack of knowledge? Not that our medical people are, uh, you know, uh, not knowing what they're doing, but is it because maybe they don't have the knowledge in this area that they're just kind of like struggling or grappling for something to do?
2: Well... A lot of times it's it goes back to training. You know, physicians are primarily trained for pharmaceuticals and surgery. You know, When I was in medical school, there were only four schools that had nutritional programs as part of their curriculum. Um, so most doctors aren't really thinking true preventative medicine other than vaccine. Um, and so if this... Information primarily from pharmaceutical companies.
1: If this pandemic is going the way it is... Do you see that we're looking at a year? How do you see this kind of fizzling? Where is this going to stop? Or is it never going to ever have a stop point?
2: Uh, I think the severity of it will decrease a lot. Maybe in a year, year and a half. Um, But what we'll probably see is a number of additional vaccines come out with these new variants. Um, So life back to normal you know, I can't even speculate on if we'll ever, ever get back to normal. But as far as the severity and seeing the COVID numbers on the TV screen, as we reach something resembling some type of herd immunity, that'll go down. But I expect that we'll see new vaccines being required due to the new variants that are coming out.
1: So right now we've got a couple of vaccines. I think there was something close to, was it 100? Three of them actually failed. Uh fda approval and we have three that are in um you know process that that are approved and of that there's what another 90 some or 95 more that are still coming up the pike that are trying to get approved in the next year or two at a superly um light speed rate
2: yeah and excuse me this is new technology with the mrna vaccines So, you know, whenever a new technology comes out, anybody that's in that sector is trying to to get on the bandwagon, so to speak.
1: Um, Now, you mentioned something interesting, and our viewers may not know this. What is mRNA technology? Can you give us, like, maybe a dumbed-down version of that so that everyone can understand Um, that?
2: mRNA, to oversimplify it, is just a genetic material um, that... It's messenger RNA, which is a type of genetic material. And they're using that material to construct these viruses. Um, And this COVID viruses is, I think it's the first one that they've ever put on market. And certainly the first one that's been a vaccine of any type that's been put on market in such a short period of time. So it's it's a new method for creating vaccines.
1: Something they've never, ever done for any vaccine in the past. It's like a totally different process that's never been explored before.
2: Yeah, I think they tried it with, with SARS-1. It didn't okay. work. All the test animals died. And then SARS-1 disappeared, so they didn't pursue it until COVID-19 came out. And now we have the vaccine that's being put out in less than a year.
1: So I'm going to ask you something. Let's just pretend that you were the head doctor for the CDC uh, for the United States what would you be doing right now uh, if you were the one that was giving all the command and control orders? Uh,
2: the first thing I would do is start looking for treatments um, in addition to the vaccines um, because there's stuff on the shelf that may be working. You know, the hydroxychloroquine is still a question, the ivermectin is a question. There are a number of uh, herbal remedies that haven't been tested. Um, you know, this is an all hands on deck, you know, anything possible. We need to look at the vitamin D levels and mortality and morbidity. Um, you know, all these things we have on the shelf that we haven't looked at, you know, in addition to vaccine, because vaccines, if you're doing it right, take years of testing. But if I have something like a low medium or a hydroxychloroquine or an ivermectin, that's on the shelf. It's inexpensive and it works. We need to be using it.
1: But for some reason, they're just not, I guess, exploring the way. I just can't believe how fast things are becoming approved. That's boggling my mind right now.
2: Well, the thing is they're, they're being approved for emergency use. So they're technically not approved yet, but they're rushing anybody and everybody to go get them. And, uh, There's another condition, antibody-dependent enhancement, where basically if you get a vaccine, when you do run into the COVID-19 or another strain, your body overreacts and it ends up being worse than if you hadn't had the vaccine. Now, if we vaccinate all our first responders and doctors and that becomes a problem, game over. (laughs) I mean, it's just catastrophic.
1: So you're thinking, I guess the way I might be speculating is that the vaccine is optional right now and it probably should stay optional because it's not something people are just going to rush to go get, even if you could get it tomorrow. Um, I don't know if that would be in my bailiwick to want to get it tomorrow.
2: Um, yeah, that's why I simply tell my patients, you know, I'm at the end of the line. It's too early for me, you know, not even nine months. I mean, just think about it this way. We're we don't know what it does for pregnancy and fertility yet. We can't possibly know. Well, they're because saying don't been, take
1: it. They're saying don't yeah, take it.
2: It hasn't been, you know, a full forty weeks of, of pregnancy. So if you you don't know what it's doing to pregnant women, it's only been out for nine months. I'm I'm gonna pass, you know, because there's the possibility of, yeah, okay, I get my two my two shots and I'm feeling good, but down the road when I run into this virus or another one, I could have bigger problems than if I had just trusted my natural immunity.
1: I can understand that. And it's just that I think everyone's feeling this peer pressure to just go do it. But that may not be the greatest thing. My biggest, uh, I guess, complaint is that a lot of people are just not taking it seriously. You know, They don't understand what social distancing is. They don't understand, what it means to not gather. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem that I'm seeing. There is um, that group of people that don't want to cooperate even with, you know, keeping it contained.
2: Yeah, the the lack of social distancing I think is the, the biggest problem. Um, you know, I've had people come into my office refusing to wear a mask and they just get turned right around and go out the door. Um, you know, we make an effort to keep people separate Um, It's hard to explain in detail without you seeing the office, but just to make sure patients aren't running across in front of each other in closed quarters in the hallway, the the social distancing thing is, is, you know, the biggest thing, and it's so inconsistent from one county to one state, um, different parts of the country, and people are screaming, my freedom, my freedom, and it's – That's just a ridiculous perspective, really. You
1: bring something else uh, to light, Dr. Granger. A lot of employers uh, that I know have people, unfortunately, that might have gotten uh, the COVID-19 virus. And uh, everyone always says, you know, wait the 14 days and come back to work. But I'm believing that that may not be enough, especially after the 14 days, if they're still not feeling well. Should the employer really have the right to make them to have a test before they return to work? Because there's a lot of, uh, how can I say, um, pushback on this?
2: Yeah, if they're symptomatic, they should still stay at home. As far as a test to come back to work, um, I think that's a liability issue more than anything, because if you have employee A comes back to work, hasn't, you know, has a documented COVID case, doesn't uh, have a negative test coming back into work, and then somebody else tests positive, um, and they blame it on them, and on you for letting them back into the workspace, um, then that's a problem. The other problem with that from the other side is they can have a false positive tests after they've quarantined and got rid of the virus. That's part of it too. But um, you know, having said that, I err on the safe side myself. I have my patients who have tested positive have a negative COVID test before they come back in the office and we just use telemedicine um, until they get that negative test, which the vast majority have had a negative test. I haven't had anybody yet that I can think of that had a positive test after their 14 days of quarantine and becoming asymptomatic.
1: But if they refuse to take that test is pretty much, it's almost like I always say a uh, doctor, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I get a lot of this has to do with attitude. You know, the woe is me. Uh, you know, I don't want to do it. It's like, I always say to people, you have to take action for something to happen. You can't just wait and whether that be a check from the government unemployment you need to still be doing things there's so many people out there right now that are saying well gee uh i can't network Well, what about online oh i don't want to deal with that nonsense so i think it's a a mindset what do you think
2: doctor well it's you know there we all have things that we don't want to do that as adults we have to do um if you want to you know work in in a where you're making a living and they require that COVID test after you've, you know, been exposed, then whether you want to do it or not, you got to do it. Um, it, It's just like nobody wants to wear a mask, but we have to do it. It, It's, we have to look beyond ourselves as individual and realize that we're we're part of a collective. Uh, You know, you're part of a community. Um, And you don't want to expose other people you want other people to feel comfortable. So wear the mask, take the test um, when it's required.
1: That's why even if I'm going to travel to see my folks and and, and they're actually in Florida, I take the test before I travel. Very careful when I travel, take the test when I come back and people think I'm crazy. Uh, I still remember going to an airport uh, in Fort Myers and there was a gentleman there and he didn't have a mask on and they had, port authority from new york and new jersey which is the people that man the the airports the police here they had brought them to florida just to keep peace and the one gentleman didn't have a mask on and the officer just you know points to his face and he says mask and the the guy says what he says uh he says there's no sign on the door here he said this is florida he says i don't have to wear a mask in the airport and the officer very politely says uh you're correct there is no sign uh when you board the plane you know, you're going to need to wear a mask. And he says, well, uh, when I get on the plane, I'll wear one and mind your own damn business. So he's in this line. People are getting a little huffy. And he says, you know, I know I can't tell you to wear a mask. Would you do me a favor and please put one on? A lot of these people in these this line are not going to be very happy with you because you're not wearing one. And I don't want to see a fist fight break out. So could you please put your mask on? And he gave a whole song and dance and he put one on. He goes, "You people are a bunch of babies. I'll put one on just to please you to pacify everybody. So I think that is just terrible behavior.
2: Uh, Yeah. And that's, you know, i put up with, well, I don't put up with it, but I encounter that type of behavior several times a week. Um, You know, I've had patients come in the door saying, well, my husband doesn't want me to wear a mask. You know, of course, my response to that, well, this isn't your husband's office. (laughs) You know, if he doesn't want you to wear a mask in here, he wants you to go to a different office. Um, You know, I don't like wearing a mask, but, you know, I know if I got to go get groceries, I put a mask on. Um, If it's going to make somebody feel comfortable in the midst of a pandemic, uh, particularly where there are people who are immunocompromised, and you don't know who you're standing next to, so it's just... It's almost to a level of common courtesy. You know, I'll sit here and say that the masks really don't prevent everything. But at the same time, just wear the mask, you know, out of common courtesy. Um, It's not that hard. Um, And you're not accomplishing anything by protesting it or refusing to do it.
1: I agree with you. I love when you go to the, um, you know, superstores, and you go to buy something. And you probably remember this uh, not too long ago, maybe several months back. You go to buy bounty or other paper towels and the and the family pack and somebody almost charges you down like you're on the football end zone. And I said to the lady, look, you can have the last pack of paper towels. You need them more than I do if you're gonna tackle me for them. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think it's crazy. Or when your cart is here and you're going this way and they're having a fit, and I'm like, I'm just going to the right. I'm not even going near you. I'm actually 20 feet from you. I think they have a little bit of a paranoia, right? More than even what should be.
2: Uh, yeah, and you know, there's there's just so much inconsistency in, in the way things are done. Um, you know, the grocery store I go that I frequent, you know, originally they had arrows, wanting everybody to go one way. And my thought was, okay, everybody's going one way, but if I know where my item is and it's on this end, now I have to walk all the way to one end, all the way back. So I'm spending twice as much time in the grocery store. So-
1: exactly. And and this happens in some of the office superstores. You have to look. And then I was in one store and I said, well, I thought this was a, you know, a, a left lane. Oh, we changed it. Oh. And I'm like, because I was used to like all the odd lanes were pretty much left and all the right lanes were right. So I understood it. Well, no, we changed that because we were having a lot of traffic issues on those two lanes on the end. So it's like, you're right. The inconsistency is just not there. So what else can people do, Dr. Granger? I mean, I know every day I was told to take uh, vitamin D. I take one vitamin D every day. And I actually think that helps me. Uh, it helps build immunity. What can people do today to protect themselves from COVID beside the standard things of, you know, washing their hands, uh, uh, putting a mask on social distancing. And are there any other treatments or cures for COVID than what Uh, we have now, the vaccine?
2: I won't say cures, but there are are treatments. Um, There are some Chinese herbal remedies, a number of herbal remedies that are um, antiviral that haven't been tested. Um, I have a product I've, used it for influenza-type symptoms myself called BSC. It's a Chinese herbal remedy compound. Um, That's available over the counter. You can get it at at Amazon. Um, The vitamin D you mentioned is a, a big one. And also, you know, I tell this to my patients just in general, is avoid the white stuff, the white flour, sugar, and dairy products, because they all cause inflammation in the body. And if you look at the people with the highest morbidity and mortality with COVID, is those are people in an inflammatory state. Um, you know the suffix "itis" on a disease, whether it's arthritis, gastritis, meningitis, means inflammation. Um, you have inflammation in the body. That's you either have disease or you're predisposed to disease. So you want to get things out of your diet that cause inflammation.
1: I wanna circle back to something we talked about originally when you first came on, acupuncture. Now, when you think of being pricked or stuck with these little tiny needles, how does this actually work and, and why does it work? Because it is a little bit of an enigma to understand this.
2: Well, your, your body has energy channels called meridians. And on these meridians are, call, are there acupuncture points where we place the needles. Um, energy is flowing through your body, as you might imagine, just like an EKG looks at electrical current through your, uh, your heart. You have these meridians that go throughout the body. And by opening and closing different acupuncture points, you can treat disharmony. Um, whether if it's migraine headaches, back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, stomach issues, you know, I tell patients anything causes pain. Yeah, I'll treat it with acupuncture um so by opening and closing the channel's energy flow or, or flicking trains on different train tracks is a, a, an analogy I use um, the body can heal itself I mean if, if you cut your skin and put a band-aid on it the band-aid doesn't heal the cut the body heals itself through the cut um, obviously the more severe the injury um, or the more chronic the injury the more acupuncture you will need um, now if you're leg or arm is broken and snapped in half, obviously you need to go see an orthopedic surgeon, but if you're having chronic back pain, chronic migraine, headaches, those type of things, um, shoulder pain, knee pain, you know, acupuncture can definitely help. Um, I've had a lot of patients with anxiety and depression that have had good results with acupuncture, Bell's palsy, because that's a popular diagnosis now as well
1: what i have found that works really well uh when i was actually in college a while back i got very interested in hypnosis and there was a gentleman you might know him dr james uh j mapes and he's an entertainer and he was on stage and i was part of the program council and they said you know john you need to uh present the deposit to him and the balance and i think he got something like twenty thousand dollars for the deposit and twenty thousand for the balance And I was very nice to him. And I said, look, sir, I've read up on you. I said, I don't want to become one of your guinea pigs on stage. I don't want to become part of your show. I'm going to give you the $20,000 deposit. And as long as there's no funny business, you'll get the remaining check if and when you don't cause me to be part of your show. Otherwise, you will not get the second check. And I may even stop payment on the first check. And so he went away and he was a little bit taken back because I didn't trust this guy. And I knew what he did because I read up on him. But after his show was over, um, I took a liking to hypnosis so much that I read his books, his, his audiobooks. I also took the Silva method, which you may or may not be f- familiar with. And then I decided to go uh, and become certified in hypnosis, which I did for no other reason than to just help me set my goals faster. I feel that if we can just dive into that, um, you know, subconscious, it's amazing how that runs 95% of our body on autopilot.
2: Yeah, and hypnosis is something I don't have a great deal of experience with. Um, Okay. But I have had patients who had success with hypnosis as far as uh, to quit smoking. Um, I've had family members who quit smoking with hypnosis. So that is the one thing that I've, I routinely recommend for patients is those who are trying to quit smoking is if they don't wanna do acupuncture, then try hypnosis. I'd much rather have them do that than take some of these rescheduled antidepressants that they label as anti-smoking devices uh, when in fact they're just <laughs> antidepressants.
1: It's like they black label the drug. I learned this a while ago. When the drug isn't good for one classification then they relabel it as something else. And even though it may cause fatigue, drowsiness, and possibly death, uh, it's a great back pain drug, but it doesn't cover uh, skin condition. Or maybe the drug is bad for your heart, but it's great for your skin. Yeah. I'm using a real.
2: <laughs> that's that's exactly what goes on. And, and when they've... They, they've gotten all the money out of it they can then they make it over the counter <laughs> you know it just it, it's just so
1: surprising dr. Granger that this is allowed to go on this is what really blows my mind
2: well the, the pharmaceutical lobby is very large and very wealthy and it's a worldwide thing um,
1: so it's not something it's, that's going to change tomorrow it, it's something uh, that is
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> you and I will both be long gone before that even comes close to changing, that that I'm pretty sure of.
1: But more people are becoming open to another way of medicine, which is uh, holistic medicine and things of that nature. I've even in- heard people, uh, I've actually done it myself, to get rid of cavities without having them filled. Now, this is not one, two, three magic and it happens. There's a certain diet you have, uh, certain things you can add, And you really can address these things. Uh, What's that one wise person that once said, uh, you know, what you put your thoughts on is what manifests or what's going to become. And when you put your energy on something, you just keep focusing on it. But I was just so amazed because when a dentist says, well, gee, that's impossible, that can never happen. And then when they go back and take x-rays and they're like, oh, yeah, you you never had a cavity. And it just (laughs) but they're telling you, you can't get rid of the cavity. So. I know we're always supposed to take doctor's advice, but when is it that we have to, I guess, look into ourselves. Is it when we need a second opinion? Because that becomes a challenge. I'm sure even in your field, right? When when do you have to, uh, you know, even when you're going to a doctor, when is it that you have to go and say, wait a minute, how do I check this out or or when should I question that?
2: Um, Well, at the end of the day, it's the patient's body. I mean, if you don't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable with the doctor or what the doctor prescribes and um, either find a different doctor or a different type of doctor, a second opinion is never really going to hurt. Now, if you start getting the same opinion from everybody, Mm -hmm. you might want to think, maybe I should listen. Um, But doctors are trained, you know, in a very specific area. You know, chiropractors do chiropractic. Medical doctors do pharmaceuticals and surgery. Um, right you're not you're not going to go to a
1: you're not going to go to a chiropractor uh to to have uh, a tooth extracted or you're not going to go as i tell people to your barber because you need a dermatologist i mean you have to go to a specialist for that area
2: yeah um but you know say you have upset stomach nausea all the time you know maybe the holistic naturopathic doctor can help you that maybe the Traditional Chinese medicine doctor can help you that maybe the Western medicine doctor can help you with that. You've got to take the options they give you and which one you feel most comfortable with. Now, if the one you pick doesn't work then you move on to the next. Um, but to only go to a Western doctor, you just have to know you're, you're limiting yourself and what your options are.
1: I remember it was several years ago uh, when I broke my tib and fib I had no fault of my own. And uh, the uh, person at the hospital was saying, well, there's no way you can heal. You're going to need to have surgery. And I said, like, well, I don't think that's necessary because it's not a compound fracture. And it was funny because, like, well, you're not a doctor. I said, no, but my my uncle uh, was a doctor. Well, where is he? I said, well, he's retired. Well, he can't help you here. I said, well, I called him and he actually agrees with me that I don't need surgery. He said, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't see the x-rays. He asked me if it was a compound fracture and I told him no. And he says, and there wasn't multiple splits. He says, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We had to almost argue with them to the point, And they're like, okay, yeah, we were just trying to get you fixed up fast. so You can get back on your feet. I said, I don't need to get back on my feet fast. I want to do what's best for my body. And so after I had the cast put on me, I still had to heal that bone. So I had a homeopathic person that I've dealt with for years, and they gave me something called bone knit. You might have heard of it. I took bone knit after the first week, once the bone was kind of settled. And within, I'm going to tell you, a week or so, that bone just stitched together like that. I went back to the surgeon, and they're like, your bones are ready together. I said, yeah. He says, that can't be. And i told him what i did and he says well we don't believe in that nonsense (laughs) so it's uh, very hard to uh explain what you're doing to a doctor because some doctors uh dr granger they're not open to hearing this
2: no uh and even i've heard similar stories you know from one guy i met years ago who had a, a, a brain tumor and they told him well we can't operate on you. We can only do radiation. And he didn't want that. So we went to a naturopathic doctor who put him on a nutritional regimen and the tumor started shrinking and the oncologist looked at him and said, well, just keep doing whatever you're doing and walks out. And my thing is why didn't that oncologist ask him what are you doing so he can help other patients? Um, doctors are almost brainwashed
0: <laughs> Okay. in
2: that sense. Blinders, very, narrow-minded and it's unfortunate
1: yeah so I I think that's a problem but I think when you get that response from a doctor uh, my uh, response would be to not take it personally and to just treat it for the facts that it is and deal with it like you would a business decision you know look at the facts yeah and Not,
2: not not every doctor is for every patient um, you know, that doctor you described would have been great for the person that, you know, wanted pins and rods and just the screws and everything and to be sent home rapidly. Um,
1: well, at one o'clock in the morning, and I'm not going to mention the hospital it wasn't even in New Jersey, but it was outside when I was traveling. They asked me to sign this document that was very long. And it was all digital. And I said, well, I can't read that. They said, well, everybody else just clicks all the way through and just signs at the end. I said, well, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. Well, we can't treat you without this. Said, well, then print me the 65 pages. Well, we're going to have to see how we can do that because we've never had to do that before. I said, well, you can't expect me to read a screen that's, you know, 5, 10 feet away from me and then just click sign. Well, everybody else does. I said, yeah, I'm not everybody else. I said, what you don't know about me is before I became an engineer, I actually did pre-law. And I decided that I couldn't lie to people for a living, so I didn't become a lawyer. Well, that morning, uh, which was actually that, that later that evening, I uh, called my friend who was a lawyer and I said to him, we'll call him Jim for argument's sake, Jim, I'm having a heck of a time here in this hospital. They keep trying to drug me. Luckily, my mind is stronger and I'm beating this stuff, but they're playing games with me. And I said, don't I have any rights? He says, yeah. He says, what hospital are you at? What's their fax number? get the fax number. I told him, I said, this one doctor is a few years uh, older than me and he's just really terrible. He just has this attitude.
0: Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.
1: Okay. Get the fax number. He faxes the document over. He calls me an hour later. He says, John, he says, "Uh, how are you doing? I said, it's so quiet. I said, everybody's left me alone. He said, that's great. I said, what did you do? He says, well, I I sent them a letter. What was in the letter? He said, I sent them an informal cease and desist. I said, well, what is that? He says, well, I just told them that I'm going to wake Judge DiGiacomo up. Um, if they continue to harass you and try to push things down you, uh, without your, um, willingness to do that, um, and that they would basically be all arrested and taken off premises until you are out of the hospital. I said, wow. He said, how's the doctor? I said, well, the doctor's still here. And he says, uh, oh, he's still bothering you? I said, well, he's not bothering me. He just came in and he's telling me I need to hang up with you. He says, let me talk to him. Puts him on the phone. He says, who are you? I'm Dr. Such and such. Real nasty. Do you know who I am? He says, I'm a friend of the patients. I'm also his lawyer. And I want to let you know that I just sent an informal cease and desist to your hospital. He goes, what the heck is all this? He says, well, I'll tell you what that is. He says, "Uh, it has your name on it. And everyone that's currently treating him is under this order uh, informally that if you continue to harass him, that we will uh, pursue to wake the judge up and we will have you and the entire staff uh, arrested and taken off premises until he is gone. He just like, he drops, he's like, and so whatever he wants, you're gonna give him. And I wanted these several people, the head of the hospital, the head of physical therapy, the head of surgery, there were like six, seven people. And in the beginning they said, you can't get that, we're way too busy. I said, I want that two hours before my surgery. They all came before my bedside, two hours before surgery. They had just moved me up into a room. I get up into the room. And they say, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. And I said, you know, I really don't think I need surgery. Well, you know, uh, you're right. You really don't need surgery, but we're just trying to help you quicker. And so if it's my right, then I really don't want to do the surgery. He says, well, he says, you know, we try to do what's best for the patient because you don't necessarily know. So he says, we can heal it with the cast, but it's not our optimum way to, to do it. And I said to him, no, I said, your staff is just trying to finance a new uh, luxury sports car for themselves or their significant other. And I'm just part of that deposit. So I really don't want to be part of that. And uh, he said to me, well, he says, we'll go with the cast method, but it's going to be longer. I said, how much longer He says, well, you'll be ready. Maybe May, June. I said, I can wait. I'm in no rush. The doctor puts a cast on me. That's 70 some pounds. Now that was spiteful. But my point is, this doctor was all about the way he wanted to do things, Dr. Granger. He was not about the patient. His bedside manner, I would give an F to.
2: Yeah, that's that's what we call paternalism, where it's, you know, you don't know. I have to, to tell you what's best for you. Um, the polite way around that would have been for him to say, look, this is what I'm offering you if you don't want it, you know you can have another doctor, you know, nothing personal, good luck to you. Um, But to have the, the arrogant temperamental attitude of this is the only way to do it. um,
1: But then the head of the hospital made him do exactly what I wanted, which they firmly approved and said it was perfectly okay.
2: Yeah. That's because the head of the hospital probably wasn't a physician and was only looking at it from a legal standpoint at that point. Um, Okay. You know, particularly when you're dealing with, you know, orthopedic surgeons, and and it's a stereotype for surgeons to be very uh, condescending, so to speak. Um, And it sounds like you ran into someone who fits that stereotype. I
1: think because he was a little bit older than me, not too much. Uh, He had that attitude and then uh, they would take x-rays they were going to send me all the way back downstairs to take x-rays and i said why can't we just do the portable x-ray machine it's right here well we don't have anybody that knows how to operate that on this floor
2: that is probably the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard
1: i asked for the head of the hospital again within 10 minutes they came back out what can we do for you i said well the doctor wants me to go all the way down back to the emergency ward because he said there's no one here that can operate the x-ray machine, the portable x-ray machines. He said, what do you mean? He says, this is what he's told me. Within five minutes, he got some lady to come over and they took the x-rays and we were done.
2: Well, here's the (laughs) reason why that sounds so crazy to me. Okay. That's what my undergraduate degree was. I had a a BS in radiography. I worked as an x-ray tech in a hospital before med school. Oh, wow. You don't you don't finish <laughs> and get certified as an x-ray technologist without knowing how to operate both. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's saying, and, oh, I know how to operate an iPad, but not an iPhone. That's that's about how ridiculous that I, I
1: think was. they were being lazy. And then when I got brought upstairs uh, to a room, they wanted to take vitals, which was no problem. But they wanted to take blood again. And I said, well, wait a minute. Uh isn't this against my right? I was just admitted. It's been within a 24 hour. It's not even a 24 hour period. How can you take blood? The guy didn't speak English. I asked for a head nurse. I said, what's he doing? Oh, he doesn't really speak English. I tried to explain to him that it's the third cuff, not the first one. The first one's going to pop. The second one's going to pop. So I showed him three. He knew know what I was talking about. So he put the first one on. No good. Second one on. Third one. I said, I told you three. Ah, yeah, yeah, I understand. So. This is the frustration, Dr. Granger, that I was dealing with. And I was trying to be patient with these people. And he's, oh, no, we're very sorry. He's not supposed to take blood. Yeah, that. No, no. So she said something to him in Spanish, whatever. And I was like, I don't know what you told me. She said, No, he's okay. He's fine. He won't bother you anymore. I'm like, You have to be like your own advocate, don't you, Dr. Granger?
2: Uh, Yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) No
1: family was there. They were all, you know, quite a ways from me. And I just could not believe that experience. But somehow through the grace of god i was able to get through it um it was not um impossible but i just felt that i had to be really on the top of my game
2: well now imagine being a covid patient in a hospital where none of your family members are there you probably can't reach out to anybody by phone um and then the question becomes of whether or not you get, you know, X, Y, Z procedure, you know, then that's 10 times worse under you know, those circumstances. And you so my recommendation the is you got to the have a person that you're looking at.
1: You've got to have a lawyer that's a friend and make sure that you know your rights when you go in and know your patient's bill of rights, because a lot of times they try to not share that with you. And it's your right to understand them. And it's your, also your right to sign out of the hospital if you want to sign out. Yeah. But they don't explain all these things to you and they make it seem like you're a captive.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of the similar stories with the, the vaccinations for kids to go to school. It, okay you know you haven't you know you have a right to inform consent and you have a right to opt out. Well, the vaccines are up in the front of the room and the forms to opt out are in the back of the room, so you can't get to the back of the room without going through <laughs> the the vaccinators. Um, you know the and- last
1: two topics I have for Dr. Granger is one is I know some people that are um, you know orthopedic surgeons. One person that I actually got who took care of my leg when I came out of the place where I was said we should do surgery and then he finally gave up and said okay he says you know we should have done surgery but he says if you want to go this way it's up to you. Another person that I know, not not from a patient relationship, but just know him. They have a little bit of an arrogance to them, don't they? With all due respect. They just feel like, I don't know. And I used the joke to him. I say, you know, I said, I know you're an orthopedic surgeon with all due respect. I said, but I think I put my slacks on the same way every morning. Left foot, right foot, or right foot, left foot. We're not too much different, but they don't want to get that human element. Now, this is not all doctors. This is mostly surgeons I'm finding this with.
2: Yeah, that's what i was alluding to before is you know we kind of have a, a little name for it we'll call it the god complex um you know i'm a surgeon i saved your life you know i have the power of life and death well so does an airline pilot and airline pilot has hundreds <laughs> of lives in their hands at any given point in time um you know but i really don't well i try not to hold it against the person one because To some degree, I'm guilty of it myself. Okay. Two, the way doctors are educated, you got to remember the person who gets into medical school has, you know, throughout their academic career, generally been at the top of their class. Mm -hmm. A lot of times their job as a physician is the first job they've had in life. So by the time you get through that process, Mm -hmm. it, it just reinforces, you know, you're better, you're better, you're so wonderful. And you never really get to relate to people or learn how to relate to people. One of my med school professors said he learned more about being a physician by waiting tables. And what he meant by that was you learn how to interact with the difficult patient or people who are difficult to interact with or people who may not understand some of the medical terminology that you use. And that's the art of medicine, which is arguably more important than the science
1: it, it's the people it's the relationship it, rem- it reminds me of something i say a lot is that it's not whether something's going to happen to you or not happen to you or an experience it's how you choose to respond to that experience that really shapes and defines the type of character or person you are
2: yeah absolutely that's it, you know how you respond You learn a lot about a person, how they respond in a bad situation. You know, everybody can be happy and jovial and courteous when everything's going well. Um, And then, you know, to go back on the COVID people we were talking about, where refusing to wear a mask and throwing temper tantrums over wearing a mask. um, You know, that just tells you something about that person.
1: Well, Dr. Granger, this has been really educational, and I just have one last question for you before I, I say goodbye uh, this evening, and that is, what other plans uh, does Dr. Granger have? Is there any other projects or things you're working on currently?
2: A um, couple things. One is my, my book, um, We Have Got It All Wrong, Our Failed Sick Care System, that I published back in 2012. I'm working on the second edition for that. I, I hope... To have out uh, later this year, end of summer at the latest. Um, and just growing my practice, continuing to treat patients, I'm adding some other things. I've had a lot of my acupuncture patients ask about cupping. So we now have cupping sets where I can do that in the practice. Um, and I'm also looking to add a functional medicine component, which works more with nutrition and lifestyle changes rather than just strictly pharmaceutical.
1: Well, Dr. Granger, as I said, it was a pleasure talking with you today and, you know, getting to meet a doctor that believes that it's not just about uh, medicine. Sometimes medicine is helpful, but a lot of times you don't need to get medicine. And it's just a breath of air to hear from somebody like you that believes there is another way.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, we hope you'll come back and join us uh, when your book comes out, because we would love to talk to you about it.
2: Oh, that'll be my pleasure.
1: Well, take care, Dr. Granger. Be well and uh, be safe. Thank you. Well, Marcus, what did you think about that?
2: Oh, man, what an awesome show
1: this doctor oh, oh. is doing it all and he really understands what's going on with COVID. i learned a lot from him about you know what's going on and some of the protocols but just that he really shed some light uh, to us about the truth and uh bunked a lot of myths out there so um i hope everyone got some great value i, I definitely want to thank um you know the great uh, dr james granger Uh, to come to our show tonight because it just was an amazing uh, interview. And we're already at the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, if you have a product or you have an idea for a service, just go ahead and visit jmowall.com. Remember, we are a show all about value, so if your intent is to try to push a product or a service, you're probably going to get declined in the pre-interview. But again, if you do have a great idea for the show, or you just do a product unboxing, go ahead and visit jmor.com under social. Uh, You can see our shows or go to the contact us area and uh, reach out to us there and um, tell us what's on your mind. Again, we have some great guests coming up. And next week we have another great guest coming up, um, which I cannot believe that we are in the month of April. This is like you know, blowing me away. Um, Next week, we have uh, Mr. Paul Claxton, who's going to talk to us about robotics and uh, the automation in the work hub and what that's going to mean in the industry. Uh, A little bit later on uh, down the road, we have uh, the next week, um, Kimberly Fryer, who is going to be an amazing guest just from reading her book. Uh, You're going to love her. And then very uh, last week of the month, the 30th, we have Bisa uh, who's going to be with us, and she's going to talk to us a little more about sustainability and how to basically change your life, do things to have a more green-friendly life. And it's not just about food. It's also about meetings things and living on this great earth. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Jay Moore Tech Talk show, and we will see you next week for another Jay Moore Tech Talk show. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Be smart, practice social distancing, be safe, and act with your head. Thank you for tuning in to the J. Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 88811, and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here
2: on.